Tariq so is a Jewish name, man. Figure, uh, you. I mean, if you've listened to the show literally ever, you know that Anthony Miller is going to break out this year. So, uh, Deshaun is now playing with Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that he's ever seen. That didn't make a lot of sense. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. <laughs> well, guys, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I am going to be hosting today. I am Austin Brooks. Catch me on Twitter at Hot Takes Brooks. Uh, and I am going to be hosting for Richard, who is with us, but is traveling and doesn't want to sound like he's uh, holding his phone out the window while he drives. Rich, say hi. What's up, guys? I'm currently driving through the interstate toll, and I'm on my way back from Chicago, and um, this is just how it has to be tonight. Sounds good. Hey, catch Rich at FF underscore Rich on Twitters. And then we got Jetpack Galileo. Jetpack, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm ready to rock. Jetpack just blasted his way over here. You can catch him on Twitters at Jetpack Galileo, not Galileo for you League of Legends players. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, I want to remind you guys, we have a sick website. I don't, uh, I mean, how sick is our website? Five stars. Our, our, our website is the Zika virus of websites. That's how sick it is. So I want you guys to go check it out, www.ffastronauts.com. Uh, we have a bunch of our articles. We try to do two to five articles a week. Uh, we throw them up there. I know Warbs, uh, Warbatron, he's been on the show a little bit. He's been on, uh, he's got a new article out. And then, you know, the old Jetpack's got a new article out too. So you guys go check those out. Uh, get a good read in while you're, you know, doing your poop skis or whatever you got going on. That's exactly what I would have said as the host as well. That's actually what we had in the doc. Uh, poop skis <laughs> was the official word that I had in there. So that tonight, yeah, poop skis. Uh, it's kind of like your fancy team. I just put your fancy team name. I copy and pasted it from ESPN and switched it over there. So wide receivers is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Last episode, we talked about quarterbacks. We're going to talk about some wide receivers. We're going to give you guys a little bit of the top tier, kind of our thoughts on those top tier guys. We're going to talk a little bit about draft strategy with them. Uh, we're going to talk about a value. We're all going to each going to give a value, a bust, and a breakout. Uh, and then we're going to play a, a game. I think I have a game. Yes, a sweet game at the end. So uh yeah so let's get it started so uh right now at the top of the tiers so i, I think this is kind of uh, let's do the first the the first 12 guys that have been going off the board according to adp so we're looking at adp from was this yahoo fan tracks this, this is yeah this is a conglomerate from fantasy pros they do great work over there yeah we love yes. fantasy pros yep so oh, they got it all compiled together Speaking of fantasy pros, I went over there and you can log in if you have an ESPN league. Uh, we have some leagues on Sleeper and some leagues on ESPN. I don't do any other leagues, uh, other websites. But I, you can log in on fantasy pros and it, you log in with your ESPN credentials and it uploads your team, like does power rankings for your league and a bunch. I mean, I'm, we're not sponsored by fantasy pros, but I mean, we probably ought to. We're we're among the fancy pros, and so they ought to bring us in as experts. I don't know why they don't. They, they, we've been in talks. It's just really a contract dispute when it all comes down to it. But uh, it's really neat, so go check that out. Um, so let's go over these wide receivers. So first up, we have uh, number one, DeAndre Hopkins. Number two, uh, Devontae Adams. 
Number three, Julio Jones. Four, Michael Thomas. Five, Odell Beckham Jr. Six, Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven, Tyreek Hill. Eight, Mike Evans. Nine, Antonio Brown. Ten, Keenan Allen. Eleven, Adam Thielen. And twelve, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, So I actually think that, for the most part, I think that everything is pretty solid in the rankings, except for I think one guy is kind of being a little I think he's a little too low. I think Tyreek Hill is too low at seven. Oh, so amen he, to that. He's yeah, going, that's, that's my big qualm too. That I have one other problem, but other than that, I'm pretty good with the list. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I would be curious what your other qualm is. I'll ask you in a moment, but he's going 18th. That's like middle of the second round. If you're able to, and honestly, in some leagues, you might be able to get Tyreek with one of the top four running backs. I don't even know what to think about the top four running backs right now with all the Zeke conundrum going on. But if you're able to get a Alvin Kamara and a Tyreek Hill, you're, <laughs> you're doing you're the league. well. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're going to win the league. The deal I, with Tyreek Hill is he's been the best receiver in football. Uh, last season and then the year before that he was top five and so he is special nothing has changed for him and so we've kind of talked about Tyree kill all off season right what's going to happen with the suspension do we even like the guy anymore right now it's fantasy season he's not missing any games as long as he stays healthy he's a threat to throw up 40 points whenever he wants so special athlete there's no reason for him to be seven none um, and, which is uh, the most interesting thing. It's just bias from people. Um, and so you can take advantage of that. If you can get them in the second round, that's a huge, huge win. And so I actually, so I'm only in two redraft leagues. One is the Scott fishbowl and one is our listener league. And I got Tyree kill in the fourth round. And so I already have, so my wide receivers in that league are Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen and Tyree kill. And like, that's, that's, the spot you could have gotten him if you wanted to take the risk back over the summer when it was when it was much more hot topic and and he dropped a ton but I mean that's that's the kind of roster that you could have put together if you wanted to take the risk on him I think that it's a really good comp to how Josh Gordon was last year and one of our astronauts were in a a group league We, we all play together on make a team and some against other commentators other podcasters etc and we did kind of the same gamble on Josh Gordon before um, at the beginning of that season. I think that was even before we knew whether or not he was going to be, a play, be able to play. And uh, this is a different situation now because we know that he's going to be able to play, right? But it's, it's kind of the same kind of risk situation that you had. Rish, who was the guy that you think that either should be going up or down in that top 12 that we mentioned? So first of all, I want to say I really like having T.Y. Hilton in the top 12. I think he's going to have an excellent season, uh, regardless of whether or not he has Andrew Luck. Um, I think Jacoby Brissett can do a fine job getting him the ball. Um, But the guy that I think is a little bit high for me is Antonio Brown. And not that that I'm worried about him retiring or his feet or whatever, but he has – he has some mental stuff going on, and it's like the, the antics that he's pulling uh, kind of have me a little bit worried for maybe something later in the season to come up. And not that I don't think he could finish in the top 10 or top five or even wide receiver one overall. I just, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend a top 12 pick on a wide receiver, I want one that's going to be a little bit more stable mentally um, and, and just like you know like you, you're not afraid that oh this guy's gonna threaten to retire because they won't let him wear his 10 year old helmet or like 
he's not going to get frostbite on his feet and not be able to walk. You know, that's not the kind of wide receiver that I want to invest in with my top 12 pick. So it's, it's not so much that I think he doesn't have that like top wide receiver potential. It's that the risk there is not worth it for me putting him in my top 12. That was an absolute debacle of a situation, by the way. That shit helmet, let me tell you, I've never used a shit helmet. I've seen them. And they are not, there's nothing special about that helmet. There's nothing cool. There's nothing, it doesn't fit well. It doesn't fit uniquely. It's just so, it's such a ridiculous situation. And you have to, especially with after the, 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 the uh, what's it called? With the frozen frostbite. feet. Yeah, frostbite. Um, doesn't it turn your feet black? The only thing I, only interaction I've ever had with uh, frostbite is whenever Adam Sandler gets it in, um, what is the name of that movie where he's a, inherits a bunch of money and uh, you know what I'm talking about? Is that Billy uh, Madison? It's not Billy Madison. It's um, Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Oh, yeah, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> That's right. That was a great movie. <laughs> His feet are pitch black. That's all I could think of about Antonio Brown, which just he has, he's like sticking his feet with a um, fireplace picker, like a poker. That's, that's, I think that's what he does. <laughs> he, he stabs yeah, his own he, feet on accident. And then he yeah. fakes that it, uh, that it was just was so painful. And he's like, ah, and there's nothing. He's like, ah, no, I don't feel anything. I can't feel it. Uh, <laughs> So, Jetpack, you got anybody you think that needs to be moved up or down on this list? You think? It's, well, it's yeah, I mean, I think we could talk about Antonio Brown a little bit more. Um, his situation is really interesting. So we were drafting right about the same time that he was having the whole drama deal, and this was like two days ago, and he fell to the fourth round. And so, like, Antonio Brown in the fourth round, that's a great spot to get him. But uh, it's, it's interesting to see how everybody's risk averse and everybody has this fear or this stigma about this guy. Um, he's an elite receiver. I think – one of the more interesting things is, okay, what's the relationship between him and Derek Carr going to be like um, in terms of on the field, right? So we have all these questions about off the field, what that looks like and how their relationship will form and what kind of chemistry they have. And obviously they've said they like each other and stuff, but um, on the field, Derek Carr is a different type of quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't know that that fits Antonio Brown's game as well as we hope it will. And so his value has dropped in accordance to that or with respect to that. Um, but if you see like Antonio Brown being an elite improviser and an awesome route runner and Derek Carr being a one read guy, um, that, that to me is an interesting combo. And so part of that take comes from uh, Jay Moyer, one of our guys that we follow and that we enjoy um, and have had on the pod before. You may, you may um, remember. But he saw from, that and pointed that out. Who, whose line is it, NEJ? You might whose line is it, NEJ? Yeah, he did great. Um, but so that chemistry that they have and that they put together will be one of the more interesting things for me in terms of, okay, how do I understand the quarterback-wide receiver relationship? Is it as simple as putting together types of guys and seeing how they fit, right? Because Derek Carr throughout his career has been, once his first read is gone, he is in trouble kind of guy. And Antonio Brown has been, okay, Big Ben can roll around and move around in the pocket and do whatever he wants to do and has this capability. And late in the play, he can find him and hit him for these big gains because Antonio Brown is able to find the open zone or find the open space because he's so intuitive with where he places his his body or where he finds the open open room. So that, that'll be interesting to see. I, you know, it's the same question. Like, why is a talent like Amari Cooper struggling on the Raiders? Is it because it's Amari Cooper or is it because it's Derek Carr? What, what has kept him, you know, below the threshold? So 
um, yeah, moving forward, that would be uh, one of the more interesting things for me. But again, if you're seeing Antonio Brown fall to like a third round, that's a great spot. I, I would happily take him. I'll there. take him in the back of the second as well. I, I think right. that another thing we'd add too. we talked a lot last year about how John Gruden always produces a thousand yard receiver. He's done it almost every year that he's been a head coach. And I think that I feel fine with Antonio Brown, especially that late. Uh, he's just such a good route runner and he, he's one of the best in the game. Um, so I think that, yeah, it, somebody's got to score touchdowns on that, that team too. Can't be all Josh Jacobs. I mean, Tyrell Williams is a good deep threat. That's going to be a good tandem for him too. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I, 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 there's nothing wrong with Antonio Brown super late in the second round in your redrafts. Um, it's not somebody I'm going to be acquiring in Dynasty though at all. I won't, I'm trying to get rid of him actively in my Dynasty leagues. Uh, so as far as uh, draft strategy goes, are you guys are you guys putting any – have you guys done any wide, no zero RB all wide receivers? Have you guys done anything special as far as focusing on certain draft strategies to amplify your wide receivers in later rounds or earlier rounds? How has that been going for you, Rich? So I have done that a little bit. I did more of a draft a running back in the first or second round and then go three wide receivers to pair with that running back in the first or second round. And I really like how my teams have panned out that way. Uh, I think I have one team where I have like DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham and Stephon Diggs. And I really like that those three wide receivers long term um, with any running back that I can plug in. I have uh, I have a couple guys I, I traded for, uh, again, Damian Williams and. Um, I forget who else is on the team, but then I, I did, I did another one. It taken like Joe Mixon in the back of the first round for dynasty, I think is really, really awesome. And then loading up on a wide receiver in the second, third, fourth, or, um, or something like that, because I feel like once you, once you kind of have, uh, one bell cow running back, that is a young guy going wide receiver heavy is a really good idea, especially in dynasty, because, their careers are perceived as longer. They're definitely, they definitely can have longer careers and do on average. Um, so if you get one of these top tier wide receivers, that's paired to a great quarterback, uh, then like, like an Odell Beckham, if you can get an Odell Beckham in dynasty and then pair it with a pair with a running back in the second round, that's, that's awesome. And you're, now you can go wide receiver, wide receiver again. Stephon Diggs is a great one. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Like these are the kinds of guys that you can target and feel really, really good about long term. And then you can focus on trading for other assets. Like you can focus on trading for Karrion Johnsons or David Montgomerys or even even get 2020, try to trade for 2020 first later in the draft so that you can stock up on running backs next year when an excellent draft running back class comes in. So I really like taking three wide receivers in the first four rounds. Um, if those if those right guys fall there, um, some of the guys like like I mentioned. Yeah, essentially, and you said Stephon Diggs, he's uh, right now going 14th wide receiver off the board. He's going 14th in all these Yahoo, Fantrax, et cetera, ESPN. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, being able to pull that off, that's incredible. I, and I mean, yeah, have any, so uh, Jetpack, you, you tend to go pretty focused on wide receivers. You almost, I, in all my leagues, I can think of you're pretty much a Julio owner in all of them that I can think of. Um, do you have, you own Michael Thomas in a couple leagues. 
Uh, are you a big what, like top tier wide receiver guy? Is that something that you think is has to be done, or would you rather have running backs in some of those first four rounds, unlike Rich? I am. So I, I always like having an end of my tier and a last stand guy. And so my guy for this draft would be Stefan Diggs. He's my last, the end of the the wide receiver one tier for me. So a guy that I'm comfortable with being the, the best wide receiver on my team. So um, that's really Diggs and Cooks um, for me. That That's where I draw the line. So if I have to reach to get a guy, and that could be in the third round or in the second round, but if I, have to, if I feel like I'm reaching, I'll, I'll still make sure that I grab one of those guys. Um, just because that having the best players is really important to me in the right positions. And so I won't sacrifice um, a good balance to my team. Um, I'll make sure that I, I get all those top, top spots filled. So we talked about these, these top 12 guys. I want to mention the next, these wide receiver twos. So 13 through 24, and we always do it based on a 12 team league. I think that's pretty normal league size. Uh, Whenever we say wide receiver one, wide receiver two, we're talking about a top 12 uh, for wide receiver one, 13 through 24 for wide receiver two, et cetera. Just for clarity, I always hear people say that, and it's never exactly understood if it's one through 10, whatever. So here are the 13 through 24 guys. Uh, at 13, we have Amari Cooper. At 14, Stephon Diggs. 15, Brandon Cooks. 16, Robert Woods. 17, Julian Edelman. 18, Kenny Galladay, 19, A.J. Green, 20, Chris Godwin, 21, Cooper Cup, 22, Tyler Lockett, 23, Tyler Boyd, and 24, Calvin Ridley. And that last name, I think, is actually one of the more interesting ones that's kind of snuck up in ADP. Now, you're, uh, I mean, you're a Julio owner. Do you think that that's what really opens a lot of doors, Jetpack, to Calvin Ridley being able to have the success that he's had? Yeah, I believe Calvin really had 10 touchdowns last year, which is right. phenomenal. But, I mean, so uh, matchup-wise, he's getting the free matchup, um, and he'll he'll beat up whoever that is on that number two corner. And so um, it's exciting to see him uh, do more than whatever Muhammad Sanu could do. And I, mean, I think we all like Sanu, um, but Calvin Ridley's special. Um, and so – um, moving forward for dynasty, you, you really like him, but, um, in fantasy, I think uh, wide receiver 24, that's a great spot to take him. Cause he could end up being a top 15 guy pretty easily. I, I don't have any issue. Um, kind of imagining that that offense is really high powered, right? So Matt Ryan gets reconnected with cutter and I mean, he'll throw 30 TDs. So, um, definitely big fan of Calvin Ridley. I, with all of those guys, you're really comfortable because you can see any of them sneaking into the top 15. In my opinion, there's no guy where you're like, eh, you know, I can really see him dropping out. Um, so pretty confident there. That was actually going to be the one point that I was going to make as well as there are so many guys with just such high potential to have even a top five week. Like you're talking about Tyler Lockett. Um, he can he could have a top five week at like any given week. He could just explode. Um, so you're getting you're getting a lot of value in the, the tier two wide receivers. And I think that's really good this year, especially um, especially if you're you're picking at the turn because you can go running back wide receiver and know that one of the wide receivers in the like third, fourth round are it's, it's going to be it's going to be a hit. Like if you can grab one of those top 24 wide receivers. So I, I, I really love the wide receivers this year. I think it's a super, super deep. And we didn't even hit some of the guys that I think have like 
a ton of top 24, top 12 potential that are outside of that list. Guys like Will Fuller, um, it, it comes to mind. And so I think we're really, we're really saturated with good wide receivers. And I think part of that is coming from uh, some of the defensive rules changing. Some of the uh, rules are, are benefiting the offensive players a little bit more. They're protecting them. And so I think we're going to continue to see uh, uh, an increase in just overall offensive production, even this year. Um, last year was kind of kind of a, a big year, a bounce back year for a lot of the offenses. And I think we could see I don't I don't think we have to see like a regression after last year. I think we could see even more offensive production this year. So it's not crazy to think that wide receivers getting wide receivers uh in in the 2019 drafts for uh, redraft leagues is is like getting multiple top 24 wide receivers is a really great idea in my opinion absolutely i think one guy that we just mentioned in that second tier of wide receiver two guys going off the board is aj green so aj green's got an ankle injury he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks at the beginning of the season and I, I think that uh, he's so tough to take him because he's so injury prone historically. He's always had some sort of issue, especially the last couple of seasons. Uh, he's getting a little bit older. And I, I'm excited about the Zach Taylor offense, but I just can't get behind, uh, you know, A.J. Green at, you know, my, my wide receiver too. I don't feel comfortable. There's just too much risk there. And it's sad because there's so much reward available to you. I mean, he's a great receiver. So if he stays healthy, he's easily wide receiver one potential. It's just, you know, it's difficult to to place him. And I, I have a hard time drafting him in that spot when I can go with other names like Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, uh, even Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley. I, I'm willing to take Tyler Boyd, especially with some of the injuries. I, I, if he's not able to start the season with his injury, then I think Tyler Boyd will actually have a pretty good amount of value. So I want to talk. So who are some guys for you guys that are – wide receiver two potential but are falling outside of the top 24 picks do you guys have anybody for me it has to be somebody from the cardinals offense i don't see how cliff kingsbury can run an offense and not produce a wide receiver two for fancy purposes i don't see how that's possible now it might be because of the distribution ends up being so inconsistent uh that it's all read based and so uh kyler murray ends up throwing the ball to a bunch of different receivers but i i, I think that there's no reason christian kirk or Larry Fitzgerald, or one of the rookies that we've highlighted um, in past episodes, like Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, um, those types of guys, Kevin White even. I don't see how one of those guys doesn't slip into a wide receiver two spot. What do you guys think? Am I am I a lunatic? No, I think that's really great. So for me, Larry Fitz is a guy that I'm picking up even in Dynasty Leagues because he's cheap. I don't care. Um, I mean, what is he? I think he's 36, right? He's um, a million. Yeah, and, and you need a guy to trust for a young quarterback. And uh, if, if Jerry can pay, play till 41, right, maybe Larry can play till like 38. So um, I, I'd be pretty happy to get a hold of Larry Fitzgerald in that offense. I think um, he can definitely have a role, and a thousand yard season is totally within reach. So if, you're, if we're comparing quarterback situations, right, he did poorly probably about three or four years ago. And we all said, oh, that's the end of Larry. Right. And that was with like Skelton and just uh, maybe Drew Stanton, right. Guys thrown to him. And then Carson Palmer comes in and then he has, you know, a thousand yards, right. He's a wide receiver one at, at age 33 or something like that. Right. And so 
Larry is, it's about the quarterback and it's about the offense because Larry is who Larry is, right? Right. Um, he's going to be a, a stud player. And, and I've found that too in my own research in terms of figuring out the age range for wide receivers to deteriorate or when they're in their end game. Um, once, so the running back peak is about age 27. The wide receiver peak is about the same time. But then the running backs will dip off at age 31. You don't see them anymore, right? There's very few that end up reaching wide, uh, running back two status um, beyond the age 31 range, whereas wide receivers, you see it all the time. And so they'll, they'll play well even into their mid-30s. And so that's where Larry is, and, and it's all about volume, right? Uh, Terrell Owens played so well from age 33 to 35 with the Dallas Cowboys. Larry Fitzgerald, I hope to see a similar type deal, right? He's in his age 35, 36 season, but now he still has a shareholder of that offense um, in a high volume situation. He's going to get lots of opportunity. So yeah, I trust him and I love him. At wide receiver 37, he'll beat that. No doubt. Right. He's going off the board. Uh, you know, it's 97th pick off the board, 37th wide receiver. I don't see how he doesn't return and improve on 37th. Um, but I will say, you know, but, but Jetpack, but Jetpack, they, you know, Larry Fitzgerald didn't even do well last season, did he? Didn't, didn't Larry finish uh, wide receiver 25? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, like, and, I mean, the again, The offense Josh, is only better, Josh, right? Right, the offense is only better, and Josh Rosen, we all you know, know that he really struggled behind that offensive line, and so um, we'll, we'll see with Kyler, but I think there's a, definitely a good reason for more optimism. You know, Rich, do you have anybody that you see outside of that top 24 that you feel like can sneak into the wide receiver two contentions? I mean, I already mentioned it, but uh, Will Fuller or or Kiki Kuti, uh, one of those two guys, whoever's opposite DeAndre Hopkins, uh, whoever's healthier longer, I think it'll be Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti. Um, I don't think it's as good of a talent. And um, I mean, when you when Will Fuller's on the field, he's absolutely electric. So even if even if he's not healthy a full season, if you get him, he's he's one of the guys that's outside of the top twenty four that has wide like top 10 potential week to week like when when uh, when he was healthy back two seasons ago he was like wide receiver seven for a little bit and and then he dropped off and but it was it was ridiculous he was a top 10 wide receiver as a rookie for a little bit and and he was just electric so I think Will Fuller or Kiki QT whichever one's the more healthy of the two of those guys has has uh, top 24 potential if not a little bit more and another guy I would like to highlight is Jarvis Landry. I mean, Jarvis is only going at 26, so he's not really far outside of that top 24. But I mean, especially with the Duke Johnson trade, I feel like there has to be enough volume there to produce a wide receiver two for Jarvis. So uh, he may not see the volume that he used to see in Miami. Uh, he definitely won't with Odell, as a matter of fact. But I think with the loss of Duke Johnson, that's going to open up a lot of the targets that he's used to seeing. Uh, and, and another year of building chemistry with uh, Baker. So uh, it's a guy that I, I think I'm willing to, to take, especially if he slides into you know uh, mid-wide receiver three. I'm very happy with Jarvis Landry as my third wide receiver. So uh, another guy that you can look at in those post-top 24 rounds. Uh, so as far as these guys, we talked about a lot of guys. Do you have any big busts, jetpack, guys that you're just completely avoiding? So for me, it's more about my 
tendencies and what I enjoy. And Tyler Lockett, for me, I'm, I'm not drafting him at this spot. And, it, and I know he actually performed well. I think he was wide receiver 12 or wide receiver 14, and he was in that range. But I'll, I'm okay with waiting on him there. I'll wait till he hits 30 range to take him. Um, just because I have a prototype, really, that I want in my guys. Um, and Tyler Lockett in that uh, Seattle offense, to me, um, I'm not sure if he's going to be high volume enough to where it's repeatable. And I'm okay with making the mistake. And there's plenty of other talent around him um, where, you know, I could see him just being average. Absolutely. I think another guy for me and uh, Rich, I want to get your take on this because I know you're a big supporter of this guy. Uh, for for me, Adam Thielen at wide receiver 11 as my number one wide receiver off the board potentially is not a place I want to be. I don't feel super confident in Adam Thielen, especially after his performance towards the back half of the season. He was not up to snuff. And I don't know how confident I am in Kirk Cousins being able to maintain two wide receiver top and almost wide receiver ones. Uh, I, I don't know that I trust it. So for me, I, I, I'm going to steer away from Adam Thielen. I think that he may fall into wide receiver two contention. And I don't know if he's going to be able to provide the stability that I want from my wide receiver one. But I know Rich is a big Adam Thielen guy. So Rich, how do you feel about that? Yeah, he's actually a guy that I've cooled on a little bit for this season precisely because of what you said. Uh, I think that Minnesota has wants a tendency to uh, – use the run game more. And so that's going to leave less targets. Um, while I think that Adam Thielen, he he's, he's getting paid. They're going to want to use him. He's a really good wide receiver. So he, I, I think that, that he has some bust potential. Definitely. I think he'll still, uh, I think he'll still give you that wide receiver one value uh, week in and week out. He may have some down weeks, but He's the guy that he's the guy that I've cooled on. I mean, he was he was what the number three wide receiver overall, and we were all super hyped. But I've definitely cooled on him because of the end of the season last year. Um, I don't know that I'd call him a bust, but I definitely would would prefer him as the number two wide receiver on my team. If I if I already have, he, he's one of those guys where where if he's if you can get him in the end of the second or uh, beginning of the third round then you're jumping at it because likely you already have a stud running back and uh, another stud wide receiver. So you're getting pretty much a, a wide receiver one f- and with, with a very high floor um, in the third round. So I'm, I'm good with him where he's at right now. Is there anybody on this list that you would actively avoid these top 24 guys? So I think one thing that's a little bit underrated is uh, Devontae Adams. And and what's underrated about him is the number of concussions he's had. And not just the number of concussions he's had, but the number of concussions he's had in a short period of time. And so that to me, like, yeah, if he's healthy all, all uh, 16 games, then yes, he's going to be electric. He's, he's by far the best wide receiver on that team. But, and this is a lot for Dynasty, he's not a guy that I necessarily love for Dynasty because of his concussion history. And um, and so I only own him in one place, and I'm trying to get rid of him. I wanted to get rid of him because I think that concussion thing could come back to bite him and, and shorten his career a little bit, which is really unfortunate. So not that I necessarily think he's a bust for 2019. I think he could absolutely 
be the number one wide receiver like he was uh, last year up until week 17. But I think that for Dynasty, if you're paying the number two wide receiver price for him, I think that's a little bit high for me just because of his concussion risk. Absolutely. And we've seen that with other guys too, especially guys that come over the middle and they get whacked by safeties. Look at somebody like Jordan Reed, for example. Jordan, I mean, he's had other injuries, but he's had a lot of concussion issues. So you can't mess around with that. And it, it, they're so hard to predict too, because you don't know, there's no timeline with a concussion. You could be, you could be back the next week or you could be, you know, messed up for the whole season. Uh, and concussions are, are crazy stuff. So it's hard, but it's not something to scare you away from Devonte Adams per se. It's just something to keep in mind. Another risk that isn't being tacked into his value as the second wide receiver off the board. Uh, so, I mean, Devonte is, he got smoked by Danny Trevathan, I think, um, in that game. Uh, and they carted him off, and we all thought he was going to die. <laughs> we thought it was like <laughs> literally the end. Because <laughs> it was like back-to-back games or something where he had taken big hits. And it, was, it was like, oh, it no, was his this second is... concussion that season, I think. Yeah, it was, it was within like two or three weeks. And we were like, uh-oh, this could be the end of his career. Um, and he came back. I, he might have played the next week. <laughs> So I, I mean, I love Devontae Adams, and and I no, I totally understand about the concussion stuff. But um, to me, he's one of the more interesting guys just because he's matchup proof. And there's very few guys that you can say that um, about. Like he, he can play it against Xavier Rhodes whenever he wants, and to me that that's unbelievable. Like Julio Jones can't play against Xavier Rhodes whenever he wants. Odell Beckham cannot play against Xavier Rhodes. Um, you know, and Antonio Brown. I think struggled against Xavier Rhodes. And so there's guys where you're like, oh, yeah, he can do whatever. DeAndre Hopkins plays against Jalen Ramsey and he scores whatever he wants. Um, and they're a fun matchup to watch, but you never have to worry about it fantasy wise. Um, as, as talented as Ramsey is or as, as talented as Rhodes is, when you have a guy who can beat the other guy in his own division, um, that's, that's something that you get excited about. I think that's why they're both top receivers. Absolutely. So uh, now let's close up things with a little bit of a breakout. Now, do you guys, uh, for me, a breakout is, I want to define it real quick. It's somebody that has been relevant, but is going to step up, right? So uh, maybe they've been a, a, a wide receiver three or wide receiver four, and they are going to pop into the higher end wide receiver threes or, you know, have some flashy weeks where they're going to be relevant and tradable or um, assets and can win you a, a week because they popped off in your flex. So, Jetpack, do you have any guys that kind of fit that profile for you? I have um, too many guys. Um, and so maybe at some point we can figure out a way to talk about all of them and work on it. But um, for me, my breakout is, is uh, Marquez valdez Scanlon, And so we've talked about him plenty before. Um, but I just love the upside, again, in that Aaron Rodgers offense. Um, and when Rodgers comes out and says, hey, I believe in this guy, then that's time to go. The, the whole thing is... With Adams, he developed the back shoulder fade. And if you can hit that, that's phenomenal. But if you can beat a guy over the top with your four, three, seven, four, four speed, that to, to Rodgers, that's a huge deal. He loves the downfield ball. And so I think we'll see Marquez thrive if he ends up picking it up. Wide receiver 50 is, is way too low. So Absolutely. all of the love that all of the love that Richard has for Anthony Miller, I have more for Marquez Valdez-Scantling in terms of where I'm going to draft him, how comfortable I feel about all that stuff, right? 
I mean, I'll take him like three or four rounds ahead of Anthony Miller. And so MVS, definitely a guy to look out for. And I'm, I'm happy with his range. He just went in the sixth round in one of our drafts. It was a 14 teamer, but that that's high, right? So we're in that tier where it's listener MBS league. now it's, it's our listeners, we, man. They know, league, but, but man, I MBS though. I, I would, I mean, I'd even take him ahead of Pettis right now, right? Pettis is wide receiver 34. I would take him maybe ahead of Sammy Watkins, Christian Kirk. So that's how much I prefer him. He just get you get so much value out of him. How, how can you expect for two borderline wide receiver ones out of Kirk cousins, but for, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you don't have his second receiver going off the board until, you know, pick 125. Goodness. Exactly. exactly. That's insane. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely think you're going to get a lot of value. I was actually going to touch on, uh, do a kind of a gimmick to guess what Richer's is, but uh, Richer is your breakout, Anthony Miller. No, that was too much of a layup. And so I decided against <laughs> Anthony Miller today. I figure, uh, you. I mean, if you've listened to the show, literally, ever you know that anthony miller is going to break out this year so i switched <laughs> it up i switched it up and we're going to go away from the obvious anthony miller breakout and i mean i have i have a couple guys as well uh we're i'm going to go with sterling shepherd and i think he's a guy <sighs> i think he's a guy that's i mean hate on it if you want he's a guy that's being drafted around wide receiver 30 i believe and i think i mean he's He's going to be one of the only options on the team. Golden Tate is suspended for four games. You have Evan Ingram, you have Saquon Barkley, and you have Sterling Shepard. So Sterling Shepard's the de facto number one wide receiver on that team. And, I mean, Daniel Jones looked really good the other day in the preseason. He he was dropping dimes. And Sterling Shepard's a good route runner. He's not, he's not your prototypical number one wide receiver, but – I think I think he could get the volume there, and I think you could see some good production out of him. So I think I think Sterling Shepard uh, is a breakout watch guy. Yeah, and for me, I, I uh, think the one guy that is has kind of been overlooked. The two is Deshaun Jackson going to the yeah. Eagles. I, I I mean, so Deshaun Jackson right now is going forty seventh receiver off the board. That's one hundred twenty first pick. And for me, that's that's pretty late for a guy with the upside on a week-to-week basis. So uh, he's not a guy that you're going to be wanting to start as your wide receiver, too. He's a guy that you put into your flex, uh, especially in matchups, specific matchups, to get boom-bust-type weeks. Uh, that's just how he plays. That's always been his play style. And uh, I, I think that Deshaun Jackson can really benefit from Carson Wentz. It's going to help the Eagles offense too, to have that deep threat to supplement some of their other options, like with Ertz and, and things like that. So I, I think that it's going to open up the field for Carson Wentz. Uh, but I don't think that he's somebody that's going to be super consistent. He's not somebody I'm going to be reaching for. And I don't think he's going to be ever be consistently in the, the wide receiver two talks, but he's going to be somebody that um, given specific matchups is going to be able to give a ROI based on that draft capital. He's going to give you a return that is going to out outweigh whatever 47th pick off the board. So definitely somebody, another guy that you guys can can keep and keep in the back of your minds whenever you're getting towards the later ends of your draft. And so I, so think, Deshaun, I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> just a quick, just a quick point. I think Deshaun Jackson is a guy that I want on every single best ball roster that you could ever possibly imagine because exactly of what you said. So 
boom bust. He's great DFS, great best ball guy for sure as well. Uh, Deshaun is now playing with Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that he's ever seen. You're telling me Jameis Winston isn't the best quarterback ever (laughs) Deshaun is, in my opinion, is an excellent receiver and can do really anything you want him to do in terms of threaten any part of the field. Um, And he can run routes really well. Um, And so I love Deshaun getting paired with Carson Wentz. So I think he'll have his best season that he's had in the last four or five years. Um, There's no reason for me to doubt him. And I think we play a lot of leagues where you can start four wide receivers. He's, He's perfect there. All right, you guys, do you guys want to play a game? Yeah, yeah I'm done. Heck yeah, right. dude. I've got this sweet game. All right, so what we're going to be doing is giving players their autobiography. So uh, we have all got a famous book that we've selected for a player, and we're going to tell you why it is that player's autobiography and why you should, you know, why that player fits along with that book. Rich, you start us off. So my my autobiography the book is things fall apart and this is an autobiography about andrew luck and it's really i I, honestly i've never read the book i literally have no idea what the (laughs) book is but andrew luck andrew luck is slowly falling apart he had the shoulder problem he was out he he missed an entire season he came back and now he's he's dealing with this problem he wasn't even 100 percent last season he's dealing with this ankle problem which i'd like to get into just briefly uh people the the doctors that are are looking at the timeline of things thinks it think it's this thing called myositis ossificans and that's basically inflammation in your muscle that typically comes from like a blunt trauma and it starts to calcify your muscle. And that's not a good outlook. That's not a good thing for him. And so you're looking at this guy with all this potential. People are saying, oh, he's the number one dynasty quarterback or number two dynasty quarterback. He's my number one quarterback for 2019. And it just looks like things just continue to fall apart for him. And so I would love to invite you to read Things Fall Apart, an autobiography about Andrew Luck, quarterback for the Colts. Little did you know that this whole book is about uh, a Nigerian pre-colonial gentleman who uh, overcomes uh, some serious issues with coming out of his father's shadow and being his own man, despite the legacies of his tribe. But you know, Andrew really fits that. (laughs) It's a it's it's not a very good book. I did not like that book at all. I had to read it for a geography class, I believe, for a. one of my college geography classes and just it's dealing deals with the culture of Nigeria and pre-colonial stages. But the problem, uh, the, problem yeah, with, the problem with all the books we had to select is like, there are some ones that I like, I read probably 50% of them, but I couldn't think of a good player. And then I was like, Oh, Andrew Luck is falling apart physically and his career is falling apart as well. And so I was like, that's probably what it's talking about. It's talking, talking about this, uh, some guy whose life's falling apart, but I guess I was wrong. No, you're pretty yeah. right. You're pretty right. Yeah. You still got the same idea. I the figured that you guys were going to do this. So yeah, the main difference would be Andrew Luck is a hero, and I think that Aconquo or whatever his name is, he's Aconquo, just, yeah, he's just kind of like a turd the whole time. Yeah, he is. He's like the most selfish dude, and he only cares about his yams, and then <laughs> wants to wrestle. I mean, like, 
Come on, man. You can't, it's so hard to root for the guy. Match, Andrew Luck or Conquo? Uh, Conquo. I, I mean, what was the problem? <laughs> yeah, no, he'd probably rip his arms off. <laughs> so, Jetpack, do you have somebody that you think, yo, what is his, uh, give me a player and give me his autobiography. Okay. Um, my choice is going to be the great Gatsby, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is a great Gatsby. Why is that his autobiography? Yeah, I got there it. is so there is so much flash and hype around the great Gatsby and who he is and what they think he is and and everybody has this idea of what he's going to be and there's no substance and that's what we see with Chris Godwin and so to me that that's one of the more interesting guys that's sneaking up into the top tw- he's a top 20 guy and he had didn't have a thousand yards right he didn't have double digit touchdowns he's being taken ahead of calvin ridley all this stuff right like who's his quarterback james winston right i, I mean that it's to me that's crazy and, and i'm okay with liking chris godwin and i think he can turn into something um and i like i hope he breaks out and he does well but the the hype on him is absurd like we saw juju do it and i think because we saw juju do well and kind of even replace antonio brown the the juju effect is now on chris godwin and in camp everybody says oh he's gonna beat mike evans out mike evans said me and chris godwin are competing for number one and we i we have not seen this type of hype for a guy that has done as little as he has and so from a film standpoint, I love Chris Godwin. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's a, a, a really good athlete. He can do everything. He's a, a savvy route runner. He can do more yards after the catch, everything like that, better than Mike Evans can in terms of his ability to run with the ball. Um, but the way that we're elevating him is quicker than we I think we've done with most other people that I've seen. And so same, same deal there with the great Gatsby, right? Um, Leo DiCaprio. Right, where we're worshiping this guy, yeah. throwing, book, straight to the movie <laughs> for throwing all these for throwing all these parties, right? And we're celebrating him and all this stuff, and it ends up being just vanity in the end. It's I, new I'm money. not going to say that. I'm not going to say that about Chris Godwin that it's going to be bad or it's going to be good, but it's that same type of deal where you know we're celebrating something where we have no idea what it is. Yeah, a lot it's, of pomp and not not a lot of substance. It's new money, and you have the people that are forgetting the old money and chasing the new money. Do you do you think that a lot of that has? So, who was the Cardinals wide receiver to whenever Bruce Arians was in Arizona? I don't know, dude. I See? don't know either. That, that's kind of what <laughs> right. I. That's my point. Yeah, I but forget. The, the one thing I would say to that is I don't really trust their running backs, and a lot of that production from the receiving game came up from David Johnson. In Bruce Arians, and I don't think that they have a running back that can be comparable to David Johnson. So, who, potentially, that kind of you know, other guy could fill that type of, you know, get that kind of target count. Because, I mean, that was one of the things that David Johnson's target count was insane out of the backfield. Right. And the, I mean, the numbers were, are there, right? right? The numbers are there. If Bruce Arians is going to give him 100 catches, right? He's never going to come off the field. So, everything that has been said from the right people. Right, Mike Evans is saying something about Chris Godwin. Bruce Arians is saying something about Chris Godwin. Right, everybody's talking about him. Like it, the right stuff is coming out, but there has not been production on the field yet. To repeat what you're saying, that's not to say that that won't happen, and that's not right. to say that yeah. it, it will happen. It's just we don't know what we don't know. 
Just like yeah, my my book is, and it's actually my favorite. <laughs> Brooks, what's your book? Hold on, I'm I'm gonna stop it. I, I think I'm cutting out a little bit. You guys there? <laughs> yeah, we're there. We, everyone just stopped talking. It wasn't cutting out. Are oh, you good? Oh, awkward. Yeah. Edit that out, Rich. He will never edit it. All right. So, uh, my for me, it's the Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, you know, this one is actually by Tyreek Hill. So it's one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite books, and it's about it's a story of a man falsely imprisoned, uh, accused of a crime that he did not commit, and when he comes back from his prison sentence, he goes on a revenge tour to end all revenge tours. Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're going to see with Tyreek Hill. He he's still being disrespected in the draft. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be targeting Tyreek Hill in the second round of your draft because you're getting a wide receiver one, potentially the wide receiver one that you can pair with a number one overall running back if you end up having that that early. So he's definitely a guy that I see who's going to come through. He's nothing because nothing's changed in the offense. They literally, you, you think that Pat Mahomes is being taken in the second, and then Pat, like, you know, his number one receiver, Tyreek Hill, isn't going to be also a wide receiver one, like an elite tier wide receiver one? Uh, no. So for me, it's it's got to be, you know, the French. Ty, I'm pretty sure Tyreek is actually French, anyways. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's talk about what just happened. All right, bet, or Jetpack, you tell us. Tell us what happened. So, wow, this goes back. We've talked about this trade on the podcast before. I almost right? feel like you have to tell a little bit about. We got to go Saquon back. back. You have to tell the Saquon back story and how wow. this has come full circle, right? No, let's skip the Saquon back story. Okay, That's okay. not not quite there. Do we get started? But we'll go. We're, we'll talk about the Kareem Hunt trade, right? Right, we've talked about that before. That's pretty relevant. And, and the Damian Williams here, because I traded him Damian Williams. And the yeah. Damian Williams trade. So, um, why don't why don't you guys give the you were the two involved, so you just give the summary there. But I, I think that's where we got to start. So back when Kareem Hunt got suspended, or not even before he got suspended, when the video got released, uh, it was about the time I was getting started for my finals prep, and I had made a trade offer. Whenever the video released for Kareem Hunt, because there was a lot of uncertainty and concern. So I was like, okay, big value dip. I'm going to make a move and try and get a, a player that maybe he'll get suspended. Um, but I'll at least have him for the future. because it's and I, and I was the Kareem Hunt owner. Right. So I made a Kareem Hunt offer. And you may have to remind me of everything, all the pieces. But it was uh, Phil Lindsay and Kenny Galladay. Right. For Kareem Hunt, phenomenal haul. So as soon as and, and I was the Royce owner, the Royce Freeman soon, owner. As soon as I made that offer, I went to go study for like six or seven hours. I come back, and by the time I get back, that's whenever he's been cut from the team, and Rush has <laughs> accepted the trade. And I and it's all fair. Waited, I I waited on the trade. I was like, he's got to know he's cut. He's got to know he's cut. He's gonna withdraw it. And I waited a couple hours after he had been cut. And still, the trade offer was still there. And so I was like, all right, I gave him enough chance to withdraw it. He's got to know at this point. And then I, I hit accept. I'll say, too, that even if I, you hadn't given me that time, I think it's still fair. Like, I, I totally yep. 
I told because I told Rich was felt really guilty about it, and I was like, "Do not feel guilty about it. You need to stick with it and do that." That's great. I I mean, it was, I obviously felt like I lost the trade at the time, and then I I'm not sure how I feel about it now. I do still think I lost the trade pretty badly, but I don't know how badly until really about the end of this next season. But nine games through this season, and then at the end wouldn't be where Kareem Hunt goes. So then in this offseason, we had a pod where we talked about Damian Williams and Rish was like, you know, what? if you feel this strongly about because I own Damian Williams, if you feel this strongly about Damian Williams, you need to trade him away. So I ended up trading Damian. I don't remember the exact trade, Rish. You're going to tell me again. Um, so I sent you. Um, it was actually, I got Tyrell Williams and Tevin Coleman and a second for Damian Williams and Christian Kirk. Which that's pretty good. It's a good trade. That's pretty. That's pretty solid across the board. I think that was also before the Kings Cliff Kingsbury um, signing. Yeah, yeah. So, so Brooks, that, Brooks right. had some bad timing. We'll say. Bad timing. Bad timing. But speaking of timing, uh, so in this draft, and we're going to talk about another trade I made in this draft, one of our our dynasty league with our teammates from college, and so in this draft, I traded up. And I lost my 107 to trade up to the 101. So Rish is picking at 108. And Rich? and it wasn't. Uh, no, I didn't have a first round pick. I oh. it was it was like a dominant trade too. Like Brooks destroyed in this trade. I, I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, that's that's the dumbest. Like, oh no 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 not it, it was uh, it was. It wasn't David a dumb Johnson. trade. It was just. It was it was lopsided in your favor as far as you. It was you sent David John, Johnson, Cortland Sutton, and one oh seven, one oh six, one oh seven for Nick Chubb, one oh one, and a twenty twenty second, twenty twenty one second. Which for me is super lopsided. I would much rather have the side that you got with that ended up being Josh Jacobs. And his 107 turned out to be, he ended up trading it and it became TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. So I actually threw that up on Twitter. I haven't checked it uh, to see how much it leans. But so that happened in the first round. So I get around in my second round pick and Rish picks right after me. And I sniped Darwin Thompson from him because I think Darwin Thompson legitimately by the end of the season is going to be the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, so I had already had a second round pick. I picked Latavius Murray. I'm like, all right, there's too many good players still left on the board. Brooks is not going to take Darwin because he's still a backup. He's going to try and wait around. And so I was like, I'll get him at, I'll get him at 209 because that still feels like a little bit of a reach, especially because, I mean, there were some good players that were dropped and Darwin was way down on the ADP list. And I was like, yeah, no one's going to take him. Yeah, I think there were, there were a couple other people I had queued, but Darwin was the top of my board. And, uh, yeah, if, I mean, a miscalculation on Richard's part. Huge mistake. I mean, yeah. the whole time, I mean, the key to the Kansas City Chiefs backfield is to have them all, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the it's, whole it's a monopoly. It's the whole plan. Because you and, have to, this is one of those backfields where the monopoly is going to be, it's going to turn out to be one guy. We don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be one guy. Yeah. And I, I totally blew it. But after I blew it, I started offering Brooks like crazy. I offered him the 209 and the 2020 second at first. And that was my first offer. And he said no. And then I offered him a 2020 first. And he still said no. 
for Darwin Thompson, and then I offered him a 2020 first and the current pick. I'm waiting on him to make my pick. I offered him the current pick in the draft so he could just make another pick right now and a 2020 first, and he still has said no for Darwin Thompson. It's one of those things where I know Rich is a good player, so that I believe that pick is going to be, he tried to play it up to be a mid first. It's not a mid first. It's going to be a late first. I so, came in second place in the league this this past year, and so it, yeah. it'll definitely be a bottom four pick. So well, not definitely, but hopefully, it, it will it will be a bottom four pick. So uh, for me, it's I'm I'm thinking I have a better chance percent chance to have a RB one in Darwin Thompson than I'm going to have in next year's draft, which I don't know where players are going to be, and picking at the end of the round. Uh, that's how that's how I'd rather roll my dice with Darwin than roll my dice with what I don't know. And I texted him. I just said, he, when he sent me that offer, I just said, bird in the hand. And my point is just, you know, I, I get Darwin Thompson in the hand now. I get to roll my dice. And I, I don't know that Darwin's going to be the guy for Kansas City. I I believe based on my scouting and based on the depth chart that he could be. Uh, but I don't know anything for sure. So it's just a calculated risk on my part. I'm, I'm rolling the dice and I feel good about it. Yeah. And so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to take a similar offer, my 2021st. I'm going to have to get a player, and I'm going to have to trade a, a player that is going to be relevant this year for Darwin Thompson, so I can handcuff. <laughs> and like that's that's what I'm I'm telling you right now, Brooks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and get another player, and then I'm going to to trade for Darwin Thompson with a a player that you can plug in your roster this year. I will say I watched his, and I think Jetpack has been watching the games too. We all use the oh, same yeah. game pass. And so I went and watched all Darwin's plays. I watched a couple other guys. I watched Miles Sanders because I wanted to talk bad about Miles Sanders, but he looked fine. He didn't look bad. Um, Darwin Thompson, nothing special. I didn't see anything that was like, man, this guy is elite. He stands out. Um, but I, I've seen the Utah State tape, and I feel really good about it. So um, we'll see how things play out. See, I thought Darwin showed everything that you want to see from a running back in the preseason. Right. He showed good good cutbacks. Like there, his holes closed down. He he made cutbacks and made big gains. He broke tackles. He made a contested catch. He was like had some explosive plays and uh, he he tried to hurdle a guy. So you're you're looking at all these like athletic things. And granted, it was against uh, third string defense, but I mean you're you're looking for him to create on his own and not just like run up the gut of an and, and like a completely open hole and make a big gain with nobody touching him. He's he's making stuff on happen on his own. So I, I really liked his film for uh, week one. I'm excited to see week two, but yeah, I have some work cut out for me. Chepek, you got any final say on that whole ordeal? I mean, I just gotta, I gotta say, I just love this play by Brooks. I think it's so savvy. You know, this is oh, why you get together and you play fantasy football with your bros, right? To make sure exactly. that they don't get their guys. It was excellent. Because, <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, it, it was an excellent play. And Brooks is going to get me to, I've already tried to overpay. And Brooks is going to get me to overpay even more. I'll probably ha like trade another 2021st to Jetpack. And he's going to own half the first round. <laughs> we will see. We will see. I'm excited though.